Hello and welcome to episode number 98, 97, episode number 97 of the Ride With Me podcast. You are listening with your host, Mufuz Chowdhury. And if you can't already tell by the sound of my voice, listeners, I'm only a couple hours away from absolutely losing it. And this is something that has only happened to me once in this entire podcast series since the beginning of January, where I lose my biggest asset as a podcast host, which is my voice. And as excited as I've been with accelerating to episode number 100 at full throttle, feeling like I'm getting there quickly, Listeners, I feel like I've hit too many stop signs and I'm slowing down. I feel like instead of moving fast, I have been put down and out. But the most important part is I'm still crawling. I'm going to make it to episode number 100. And as you know, for long-term listeners, that this is the beauty and the madness behind the Ride With Me podcast where you get three episodes every single week and no matter what condition I'm in, I always record my episodes one day or the day of the date that the episode is released. So this means that if I'm sick, you're going to hear me sick on the podcast episode. If I lose my voice, you're going to hear me use every ounce of my energy to try to still give you the episode. So I do whatever it takes to get it out there because I appreciate every single person that believes in consistency and discipline in order to provide the utmost value. So thank you for riding along. And I want to get this show on the road where we piggyback off the epic Random Thoughts of a Millennial Part 6, which I have been receiving some tremendous feedback for. And it's been really fun for me to open up my messages each hour and read a letter from someone that is sharing their new beginning. You know, we dove deep into what new beginnings are all about. We talked a lot about the combination of fear and excitement and how it's intertwined and it makes it difficult to figure out what you're feeling at all times. But this time, I really want to dive in to fear and the mental side of things. I'm referring to the infamous mental chatterbox, that voice in your head that constantly tries to talk you out of everything. And I want to take you way back in time, listeners. Seven years ago, as I'm working as an intern with Candy Box Marketing, as I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of people and attend a lot of meetings, I came across a major challenge that has made it very difficult to overcome fear and become as confident as I should be in these type of situations. And one particular scenario that stands out to me is when, while I was at college, one of my colleagues reached out to me and said, hey, you're working for that marketing firm, right? I think my dad's company needs your help. And I was very interested about the opportunity of winning over new business and then showing them what I'm capable of. Especially because when I would sit in the classroom, I felt very good about the marketing ideas that I would share. Even while I was in college, I was someone that was actively learning 
actively executing these strategies on digital marketing and social media that I learned myself. So I felt good about what works. And this is why I truly believe a lot of my colleagues felt comfortable reaching out to me because they would see me execute in the classroom and talk about it and they would feel good about recommending me to this new job or their dad or their uncle or the business that they're part of just because they see that this will follow through. And then I remember bringing this to my team and we set up a meeting and myself and Daryl Keezer, the CEO of Candybox Marketing, made our way down to this meeting and we sat in a coffee shop, decided to have lunch. Of course, I decided to have coffee instead of lunch, which sometimes can be mistaken as the exact same thing for me. But I sat there and the father came in as a proud business owner, heard a lot of great things about me, boosted me the second he came in, said, I heard so much about you from my son. And then he sat down and the meeting began. And it's hard for me to get this out of my mind. But I completely choked up. I froze. I start started talking in my head and being very silent on the outside. And I remember holding the cup of coffee in my hand almost like it was duct taped around my hand. I wouldn't put it down. I would continue sipping on it in order to make it look like I was occupied, which is why I wasn't speaking. Daryl held the conversation down. He knew exactly what to say. He was a natural at it. But what they saw on the inside was a very silent and shy mafoos. What they didn't see in the inside was the mental warfare that I was going through. Now, this is different for a lot of people. You know, I've had the opportunity to interview with a lot of people, have conversations with people publicly and in private. And I hear over and over again where everyone has a different way of how they deal with these type of things. And some people don't experience these things as severely as other people do. It may be the conversation between extrovert or introvert. I honestly don't know if that's the critical trait that makes a difference in the way that you deal with this. All I know is that it varies for different people, but some of you know what I'm going through. Some of you feel that anxiety, and I sat there feeling that extremely hard where the only thing I could do to prevent from showing how much I was freaking out was stay still. And I sat there thinking about who am I to give this successful business owner suggestions in how he should market himself when I'm still in college with one foot in while other foot out in my co-op work term at Candy Box Marketing, who am I to give with full confidence some direction to this business owner and how he should completely change his course, especially when I disagreed with most of the things that he's doing. So I sat there silently. I had some great ideas in the back of my mind, but I shot down my opportunity for excellence. I took away my big moment from actually proving the credibility that was behind my name based on all the great things that he heard about me. I basically talked my way out of excellence and it was very difficult for me to ex accept that at that time and I would throw shyness into the mix. I would throw the fact that I was listening and I was taking notes 
But the reality was I had a lot of great ideas that I thought would work for his business. I just got choked up based on the fact that I was killing my own credibility. I was knocking myself off my own pedestal. I was shooting my own self down and chopping off my own legs. Whatever analogy you want to do, I was doing it. And I was falling apart as a result of it that when I had the opportunity to go for bat, I let myself get struck out. And I was miserable about it. I hated that moment. And I kept asking myself, why did I feel that way? And the true true dagger that went through my heart was the moment that I realized that he ended up executing the ideas that were recommended from another agency. And the ideas happened to be so similar to what I had at the back of my mind anyways. And it ended up working out really well for him. Seven years later, I am constantly going into the office, into boardrooms, into meetings, delivering great ideas with confidence. And a lot of people come up to me after public speaking events and ask me how I deal with it, especially when I've openly mentioned over and over again how I get how I get nervous on stage and I freak out. And the answer is nothing's really changed in the way the anxiety attacks me. That mental chatterbox is just as loud as it was seven years ago, yet here I am confidently on stage sharing ideas. Here I am confidently in boardroom sharing my best ideas. And the reason I feel like I'm able to do that is that I got so good at managing it and I knew since that moment, seven years ago, I would never allow myself to chop my own legs down and talk my way out of excellence. It was a bad decision seven years ago and I'm all about learning from your mistakes and listeners, I encourage you to learn from my mistake which was going into a scenario where I was convinced I had great ideas. I mean, I was an expert in my field. I spent a lot of time executing these. I think about marketing in my sleep. You know, it's just what I do. It's just what I am. And I will not give myself the opportunity to get shot down by the mental chatterbox as a result of me not feeling like I am the expert. And this is where the first step comes into play. The first tip that I'm going to give you is the idea around truly believing, not just thinking, but truly believing that you're the expert in that field. And this comes down to reflection. It comes down to revisiting all the things that you've done to classify yourself as a professional in your industry. And if you have done all these different things to prepare yourself for the big moment, why can't you be considered a professional in your industry? Why can't you be considered the best? If you've been putting in the work and working on that craft over and over again, I highly encourage you to start using that as your credibility package, your portfolio for your chatterbox in order to remind yourself that you truly are the professional in your industry and you find yourself being more confident. You find the chatterbox slowly talking in different directions and quieting down as a result of seeing your success and believing that you're able to do the things that you want to do. Next, I want you to realize that it is physically impossible to stop the chatterbox for good. I'm sorry. I know it's harsh. And I know I've said it before. 
but I want to make sure I bring this back because the chatterbox is one of the biggest things that I've experienced that has been the roadblocks in my life. And I know it's the case for a lot of you. And I don't feel like I've done it enough justice by speaking about it on this podcast show. So I wanted this episode, as we're moving close to episode number 100, I know that there's a lot of people listening right now over the excitement of the 90 series, all the episodes that I've been doing with the interviews. There's just a lot of new listeners. So I want to bring this back one more time. You cannot eliminate the mental chatterbox from your head. It's not going to go away. It's that parachute in the back of your mind that's always ready in case you're about to crash and burn. It's protecting you. It's the one that alerts you when it feels like you're doing something wrong or you may fail or you may go through heartbreak. It's the thing that's in the back of your mind that thinks it's protecting you, but sometimes it gives you bad advice. It's like that friend that has your best interest in mind, but sometimes they're not educated enough to give you the best advice. So what you need to do is listen to it. By all means, listen to the advice from that friend which happens to be your mental chatterbox, but then decide if that chatterbox is looking out for your best interest based on the path that it's creating or should you be going another direction. For example, when I was sitting in that meeting seven years ago and I choked up and I was just sipping on my coffee and feeding my caffeine addiction, the chatterbox was saying, Don't speak up or say anything. You're going to sound stupid. The guy that hired you is right beside you. Don't be the guy that ruins it and sound like an idiot right beside him. The person that's sitting across from you just talked about how awesome you are. Don't say something stupid where he doesn't think you're awesome anymore. So it thinks it's protecting you. But what it really is doing is talking you out of doing something uncomfortable and becoming great at it. So you need to calibrate that mindset to listen to the advice, but act against it when you feel it's absolutely necessary. Sometimes it's going to be right. If you're on the road and you're listening and the chatterbox in your head is saying, be careful, there is a car right in front of you. And it's it's stopping really hard. It's slamming its brake. It's brake checking you. You better listen to it and stop your car because if you don't, you're going to go through another disaster that you don't want to be experiencing. But it's important to listen to that chatterbox in difficult times and actually pay attention to what it's saying so that you can make a sound decision. But more often than not, you're going to find that this chatterbox is challenging you simply because you're getting uncomfortable and it doesn't want you to feel that excruciating fate, the excruciating pain of discomfort. So you need to shut it down because you know that getting uncomfortable is what's going to allow you to grow. And that's number three for you. Get as uncomfortable as you can and do it frequently because not only are you going to grow but you're also going to get really good at managing your chatterbox. You know, when you get uncomfortable and then you prove your chatterbox wrong, it's not going to challenge you in that arena very often, right? If there's a wall in front of you and your chatterbox says you will never be able to climb that wall, don't hurt yourself, but then you jump right over the wall 
I assure you the chatterbox will not ask you to do it again because now it's convinced that you know what you're doing. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. I truly feel like this was almost like a new random thoughts of a millennial, millennial segment. I wasn't quite prepared for the ideas that I was going to share in this episode. I need, I just knew I was sick and I just knew that I wanted to talk about things that are going through my mind. And I assure you, the mental chatterbox has been a really big one. And I hope you got tons of value out of it. And my only encouragement to you today is to challenge that mental box, prove it wrong, and grow to your best self. Thank you for listening and have a great night. Take care.